Well, if you just made it up, I'm just going to steal it from you. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, that sums it all up, right? That sums it all up. DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain. What social networks are most effective for business in 2014? How do you measure the effectiveness of your social media interaction? And is there still a place for business blogging in 2014? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask our special guest today, Stan Smith. Stan, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm sure we're going to have some fun. Absolutely. Now, Stan is a business growth strategist particularly focusing on using social media tools to achieve a competitive advantage. His main expertise is in social media and business blogging. So Stan, blogging's been mainstream for nearly 10 years or so now. Has social media finally taken over or is there still a place for business blogging in 2014? That's a great question. You know, I believe that blogging gets stronger as the social media channels get stronger. And I arrive at that premise really by, by thinking about blogging and social media this way. Blogging is the story that your business is telling. It's the information that you're providing to your prospects, you're providing to your customers and your fans. Now, that content needs to be distributed to an audience, a targeted audience. And, you know, the best case scenario in social media is still the channel for distributing that. So they are really in a symbiotic relationship. So you really can't have one without the other. So I believe that business blogging is as strong is as strong as it's um, ever been. And I think it's going to get stronger as we move forward. And it only will get even better as the social channels improve as well. Right. Okay. And by blogging, do you mean WordPress hosted on your own domain um, or another blogging platform or indeed using a third party network and uh, blogging on somewhere like Tumblr? I think, yeah. And I think business blogging or blogging encompasses all of those platforms. So, yes, you can have WordPress. Um, you can also have uh, Tumblr on a third party network like that. There's some great um, other platforms such as Medium. I'm not sure if you've heard a lot about Medium, but Medium is also a great platform where they've really gone through great pains to curate specific authors. Um, even to this, uh, even LinkedIn recently with their changes where they've had a content network now where they provide their members with a blogging platform. All of those areas encompass blogging. Um, I really make the distinction by saying if you can place your own content on the network it's a, and it's in long form, meaning that it's something more than 140 characters, then I believe it's a blogging network. Right, okay. And I can see that you do use um, WordPress yourself on pushingsocial.com. Right. Uh, what um, theme do you actually use for that? I use a studio press theme. I'm trying to remember the exact name. It's called News Pro. Right. So it's a, it's a, a studio press, um, has the Genesis framework, and it's a child theme of the Genesis framework. Right, okay, yeah, Gen Genesis is becoming particularly popular. I remember right. using Thesis, you know, probably two or three years ago, and mm -hmm. um, it was, I'm sorry, it was it was a lot tougher to use than Genesis. Genesis just seems so logical and easy to actually implement. 
Um, right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be using um, Genesis for digitalmarketingradio.com where this podcast published, and I certainly sound, uh, find it to be a, an excellent investment. For less than $100, you can get such a professional-looking feel to your site. Exactly. And, you know, there's a lot of other things that have been baked into Genesis that really makes it, a, you know, one of those leading theme frameworks out there. I think that um, not everybody knows, but, you know, Genesis is owned by Copyblogger, which if you're in the social space or in the online marketing space, I'm sure um, you'll be familiar with Brian Clark and the copy blogger team over there. And they've built a lot of the best practices that they've been using on copy blogger into each one of the child themed designs. So you really can't go wrong um, using uh, Genesis. Absolutely. Brian Clark's been around for many years now, so he, he yeah. certainly was around at the, the, the very beginning of blogging, really. And, right. and in terms of blogging content strategy for businesses, um, mm-hmm. how often do you feel businesses should actually be blogging? No, that's always a hot button question, you know, and I think it's been batted around for a while. I believe that, you know, at minimum, a business should be having a conversation with its audience on a weekly basis. All right. So that usually means a weekly blog. Now it's, it's pretty well documented that the more you blog, the better you do, especially in the business environment. So, um, if you, um, blog two or three times a week, then you're going to see similar traffic growth um, from there. So I like to tell people that to blog as much as you can at the level of quantity of quality that you expect. Okay, so for some people, they only can, you know, blog once a week at a quality level that they need. Okay, for their audience. Other people can, they're prolific, you know, and they can blog three or four times a week and every single one of those blog posts are great quality. So that's something that you really have to measure. But I think the price of entry now is once a week. Right, okay. And I guess consistency is exceptionally important as well, because if if you're going to be blogging once a week for a few months and then all of a sudden you stop, to a certain Mm -hmm. degree, all your hard work that you have done um, isn't really going to come to fruition. Yeah. And you know what? I think there is one caveat or one exception, I should say, to that. I think that there's a few people who they consistently blog once a month, but the blog post they have is usually around four or 5,000 words. Okay. So they're almost short stories or mini novels in a lot of ways. So, you know, if you're able to place a lot of quality and very in-depth information into that once a month, then go ahead and do that. But like you just said, whatever you choose, you have to be consistent with it. Absolutely. I remember looking up the definition of blogging in Wikipedia and um, it being about weblog and um, just um, an online journal. And I didn't mm-hmm. particularly like that definition because to my mind, um, blogging really is technology that you integrate into a website and then you can do whatever you want with it then as you say you can publish articles which are mini books to a certain degree so so it really is just an excellent publishing platform that also has feeds and um, distribution built into it right right and i you know there is that technical distinction but i I still believe that people are kind of wondering what is blogging right so if you take there's the uh, the technical portion of it, right? And then what are you actually doing when you're writing? You know, which what is the best way to approach the writing style? And that's where, you know, I spend a lot of time talking about that blogging is your business's 
opportunity to tell its brand story. Okay, so to have a conversation with your audience in the way that they want to hear and that they'll be entertained by and interested by. So I think blogging is um, the style is different than, for example, a press release or a 30 second television commercial. It's a fundamentally different animal. Okay, and in terms of interaction with your users, is it important, you think, to have um, a lot of comment interaction on the article itself that you've written, or is it reasonable for that discussion now to appear on social media instead? Oh, it's absolutely uh, okay for that conversation to happen on social media. I think that's where comments are going. I think they're becoming an, an endangered species on the blog itself. So setting an expectation of having a lot of comments is probably not the best way to approach it. From my standpoint, if you get comments on your blog, that's great. But I don't believe that's its, its only metric or your only metric for engagement. So being able to hold a conversation, for example, about a blog post on Google Plus actually has a lot more benefit than having that conversation or those comments siloed on a blog. Right. OK. And you mentioned Google Plus there. What social networks are the most effective for businesses to be on in 2014? depends on their audience, right? It depends upon their ideal customer and their prospect and what type of conversation they want to have. So for example, if you are a B2B you know, professional services firm, maybe a CPA or a, you know, a real estate agent or an accountant, then the social network that might make the most sense because your audience is there is a LinkedIn, for example. While another business, for example, that might deal with interior decorating or event planning, Pinterest might be the right network because it's visually driven, okay? So picking that network is is key. You know, Facebook, you know, with over, you know, a billion and a half users at this point is everywhere. So it seems like it's a good placeholder, even if you don't know how to use it. <laughs> you know, it's maybe a good placeholder to be there, to be comfortable with the, the network. Um, and then, so I, I really tell people to select the network where your audience is engaging right now, where they're going right now to get the information they need to make the type of decisions um, that your business is concerned with. Go to those places first. I found it quite interesting that you use select the network in its singular form. Do you think it's quite mm -hmm. appropriate for businesses just to be on the one network? I believe that when it comes to engaging on social networks, it comes down to really the quality and the depth of that engagement. So if your business is going to spread itself thin, and almost every business that I've worked with, they have a resource issue, meaning that they don't have a lot of people who can be creating content on a constant basis during their workday. Okay, they have to really pick their battles. And I always tell them, pick one network and then do the best you can on that network, engage at a level that makes sense. And then as you start to see success, do targeted tests on other networks and then roll out to those networks as you have the resources. I think one of the worst things that you can do is kind of put your fingers in every pot and then end up abandoning social networks because you are unable to curate content for it or keep up with the engagement that's happening there. Right, okay. So don't just jump in there. Make sure you have a strategy before you actually arrive. That's exactly it. Right, okay. And um, you mentioned um, measuring success. How do you actually measure the effectiveness of your social media interaction? Well, you know, I, I do split it up between, you know, the type of interaction that's happening on the blog 
and the, and the type of interaction that's happening on the social networks. I'm really concerned with on the blog, are my readers engaging in the activities that make sense for my business? All right. So reading the blog and actually reading the entire blog, spending more time on. And if let me take a step back, if the person after they read that blog post, they're intrigued enough to read other content that's on that blog. That is a metric that I look at. So in Google Analytics, that would be a, um, a pages per visit, for example. And also taking a look at, you know, average time on that blog post. I think that's a another measure that you can start to take a look at there. Okay. And um, the challenge, I suppose, for some businesses is that's not a direct call to action and not necessarily directly related to making a, some kind of purchase. Do some businesses that you perhaps consult to have issues mm -hmm. with um, measurements such as that? Well, you know what? I think that if you take a step back and reframe the question like this, I think every business understands that rarely does it take one interaction to get a sale, right? If you look at some statistics, it says that a, a person needs to see a business's message anywhere from five to seven times before they are ready to make a decision. Okay, so if you look at it that way, your goal is is to get your reader back to your blog, back to your content on a frequent basis so you can continually build the story about why they should select your service or buy your product. So I do believe that if you have a person that comes to the site um, and they don't spend any time there, then that's a problem because you're not able to tell your story. I've also discovered and I've also seen that Businesses who try to go for the direct sale from a blogging platform, they oftentimes have a real problem getting that done because people, when they come to a blog, they are there just to understand what the business is about, to see if they have rapport with that business, if they believe when that business is uh, talking about. So usually with a blog, it's a little longer sales cycle. It's a little bit more deliberate. And there's been so many changes in social media over the last few years and in terms of business opportunities on social media. Do you have any thoughts on where this might go over the next few years, um, how networks like Facebook and Twitter might evolve to be even more used to businesses out there? It's funny. I was talking to, I'm trying to remember who I was talking to. I think it was either Ian Cleary or Brian Dean um, on, you know, about this particular question. And I tend to believe that Google and platforms like um, Apple are going to really become a big part of the social media situation or the social media landscape. For example, right now, Google, their search engine, they already are gathering an incredible amount of information about what makes um, people click, for example. Um, with Google Plus, they're learning the type of conversations that people want to have. Um, they also, I think, are really good at, at identifying who the real influencers and the real um, and the real thought leaders are out there. And I believe that we will find that, you know, platforms like Google um, will continue to evolve into being, you know, these platforms where people will go to create content and share it. So I'm concerned about, you know, a Twitter, for example. I think I love Twitter right now. Twitter has been important for pushing social, but I can easily see that with the ecosystem of all the things that you could do on Google and the fact that 90% of my online activity is is tied to Google in some way, I can see making a decision of saying, I'm going to 
really do the majority of my long form blogging on a Google Plus. And I think that decision, Google is going to make that decision easier to make over time. Same thing with Apple. You know, you with this radio show, people are consuming that on their iPod or they're listening to it on their iPad. If Apple decides to start to put long form content in easy reach, okay, of this podcast, then that's going to be a game changer for a lot of publishers. So I just really think that we're going to start to see hardware and some of the bigger folks out there, such as Google, um, taking a you know taking a more focal role. I'm certainly really excited to see what the future will hold because it, this industry changes so quickly, and 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 that's such um, an exciting reason to be part of it. Um, but let's. What move, do you think? What do you what think? What I Dave? think. Well, um, <laughs> I've I've um, I've been around in internet marketing, digital marketing for quite a while. You know, I, I, I really started off in 2005 or so, building my own sites, using using affiliate networks and things like Google AdSense to begin with to become more of a specialist in SEO, but then focusing on lots of different areas of digital marketing. I've seen Facebook rise in 2007, and it was interesting then because all the online marketers marketers then didn't know what to do with it they did things like right. jump on personal profiles and and started um adding thousands of friends that they didn't really know on, on facebook and <laughs> right. um i think that i i still go back to this phrase that i i i, I encountered in one digital marketing training video a long long time ago um saying the best digital marketing mimics nature um, mm. mimics the natural involvement of, of things. You don't want to artificially stoke things. Um, I think that the future for brands who do things like um, add lots of people on Twitter um, and then unfollow them if they don't follow them and um, mm. I, th I think I think the future is not bright um, if you're trying to artificially raise um, your profile. I think the future has to be on businesses being quality content producers themselves and engaging on a level with people where um, they're not trying to sell overtly at all. They're just interested in their prospective customers. And I think that whatever happens, and, and it's so hard to predict what will happen, but whatever does happen will be will be fine as long as if your strategy is is like that. Yeah. You know, I think I think you you're hitting on something there. I think it's important, which is, you know, for the last, let's say, seventy five years, you know, business marketing or business conversation has been about sound bites and what you can get, you know, done efficiently and cost effectively, you know, on whatever channel, you know, a print magazine, um, you had a page, you talking about. A radio spot you got 30 seconds tv spot you got 30 or 60 seconds and businesses were so used to just kind of creating these you know commercial pitches that can fit those snippets and i think that you know right now where you're getting to a point where no really what your customers want is that they want to have an ongoing conversation with you then that is what's kind of turning a lot of strategies upside down because it's like it's not about 30 seconds. You know, it's not about the line that you give the girl at the bar. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's about the whole evening now. You know, it's the entire conversation. And that's happening over weeks and months. And I think that is fundamental. I think that the challenge, you know, the 
the technology is going to change, is going to continue to change. But I think the more fundamental change is that businesses have to start thinking about themselves as more than just a 30 second soundbite, you know? So I think that's a key piece, you know, a key piece of evolution that needs to happen. Absolutely. And, and I like what you were saying about focusing on the one network initially as well and, and, and the one type mm-hmm. of activity. I've come from a background of doing lots of different digital marketing activities, but now I'm pulling it all back into podcasting and digital magazines because that's what right. I really like doing. I, I really enjoy doing that. And um, you need to interact with your customers in a manner that you really enjoy yourself as well because then you'll be your real self. That's key. You know, that's a really, really great point, David, because when you think about it, and a lot of the people, a lot of my friends who are in this space, we oftentimes talk about the content marketing beast, right? Every day you have to create new content to attract an audience, right? And you can't do that over months or years, okay, if you are just excited about what you're talking about. You know, so I just really think that that's a key piece is that get involved in a network that you're excited about. Talk about a subject that you're obsessed with. That's the only way that you're going to succeed long term with any strategy. Um, Let's get your opinion on some um, items in terms of what's going on in digital marketing today. So let's Mm -hmm. start, start with software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact the success of your business? Mm, I would say that, well, the obvious one is WordPress. Um, mm. <laughs> you're going to put me back in the world of Joomla and, you know, <laughs> I don't want to cause a, you know, a, a, you know, a big brouhaha here. But, you know, if you had to force me to use a Drupal, mm. I don't think that I'm going to be able to grow my platform like I want to. So I think WordPress, but that's the obvious answer. I think another one that I've learned to love and I can't live without is Evernote. You know, Evernote is my alternate brain. And what software don't you use at the moment, but you've heard good things about and you've meant to try in the near future? Well, you know, I have an on-again, off-again relationship with a software called Trello. Um, And Trello is kind of a productivity to-do type of piece of uh, type of software where you can write your to-do items on cards. So you can almost see what's happening visually. I know there's a lot of power there. I just haven't been able to really change my workflow to use it. But when I have used it, it's been incredibly effective. So Trello is one of those um, pieces of software I, I wish I could use more in the future. I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't mm-hmm. you do so well? And what do you wish you would have done differently? Oh, I think that I did not ask my potential customers what the heck they wanted to hear about mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. um, I wish I would have spent you know the very first time I went online and started a business online I've started a variety of ventures and nine out of ten of them haven't done well pushing social has done extremely well but I can say in those nine that I didn't do well I didn't spend the time asking questions of people who um, would be consuming my content and purchasing my services. So I wish I would have asked more questions of my prospects to begin with. Right. Okay. And, And is that the most common mistake that you see a digital marketing newbie making nowadays? Absolutely. And I've, you know, I've had the pleasure and the privilege of consulting with many clients, large and small. And almost always when I say, 
can you just give me a transcript of the conversation that you had with your prospects about what they wanted, what their biggest challenge was, what was their information needs that weren't getting met? Almost nine out of 10 times people go, we don't have that. We haven't had that conversation. And then when you think about it, without that conversation, you essentially are guessing, Mm. (laughs) guessing. You're putting millions of dollars behind guesses that come from people who say they're marketers and you don't have to do that. You can go on Facebook and that's probably one of the most accurate focus groups you can have. You know, um, you can get that information. I'm surprised more companies don't do it. It's it's frustrating. I mean, I I see it in SEO all the time, uh, mm-hmm. in that companies guess the keyword phrases that they should be incorporating <laughs> in their website. Right. The information's right. out there. Just just research it and and don't phrase everything yourself and perceive that that's what your customers refer to your businesses as. Absolutely. I tell people that if you've worked at your company for more than a week, you already are out of touch with how your customers talk. Mm. Okay. <laughs> because once you get into a business. Then you're surrounded by all the jargon and all the acronyms and all the, you know, the shorthand that you guys use to talk about your business. And the easiest trap is that you believe that the rest of the world talks about your business in that same manner. And they just don't, you know, so you have to do that research. Best advice I've ever received. So what's the best piece of digital marketing advice that you've ever received? It's always a business. Mm. You know, and it, it's all. And what I mean by this is that um, for a time there, and I think still now, people believe that blogging is something magical, something soap is pure as a driven snow. It's, you know, the it's the, you know, the lifeblood and the magic for unicorns and campfires <laughs> and whatever. And it's like, no, it's a business. All right. And you're making a transaction. Okay, like it or not, I write content. People either pay me in money, okay, in terms of services once they agree with my point of view, or they pay me in time, okay? They give me their time, which is worth money, all right? So when I approach every, when I approach my blog, I approach it as listen, I am trying to get a transaction done, okay? So that's number one. Number two is that just writing without having a business. You know, I have services that I offer and those services kind of shape how I talk to my audience. Right. So that business mindset has allowed me to create something real. okay? that, you know, feeds my pays my mortgage, feeds my family, gives me the profits to continue to create great content. So unless you have that business point of view and realize that your blog is not your business, your blog is just a marketing tactic in a larger business then you're not going to get anywhere. And when I was told that, it was like, a, you know, an atomic bomb went off in my brain because up to this point, I thought, you know, this is some new way of running a business. And it's not. It's just a really cool marketing strategy. <laughs> you know, I still had to build a business. Traffic is vanity. Conversion rates are sanity. Yes, that's that's. Beautiful, beautiful man. <laughs> I haven't heard that either. I'm, I'm like writing it down right now. Just, how did that go again? You said traffic, traffic is vanity, is- conversion rates are sanity. 
I'm not sure if I've heard that anywhere or I've just made that up on the spot. <laughs> well, if you just made it up, I'm just going to steal it from you. <laughs> <laughs> but that, is, that sums it all up, right? That sums it all up. And I've seen businesses that have tons of traffic, and for the life of them, they cannot convince a person to take out their wallet and pay them a single plum nickel. You know, mm. so that's beautiful, man. Okay, let's move on to the this or that round. This is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answers too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go? Mm-hmm. Go for it. Okay. Email or Twitter? Email. Audio or video? Audio. Affiliates or display advertising? <laughs> Affiliates. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? <laughs> one-on-one relations. Paid search or SEO? Whoa. SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Telephone number. Website or app? App. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Local marketing. The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a digital marketing activity, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? I would go out and I would look at my email database and I would pick my top 100 potential prospects. I would invite them all to a dinner in a hotel ballroom. And then after the dinner, I would sit down and talk to them about their business. That's what I would do. Wow. (laughs) Would you have a target in mind at all or you'd be completely open at the beginning of that conversation? Completely open. I would ask them, what is the thing that if you did correctly, you believe would build your business or achieve your goals? Um, But I started pushing social, which is now, you know, we're blessed, but we're fortunate enough to be a six-figure business. I started pushing social with the exact same tactic. Well, I shouldn't say exact same tactic, same spirit. I actually got on the phone with 10 of my, 10 of my top readers. And when I got off the phone with them, I said, could I get back with you? You know, if I have an idea that could solve some of the problems we talked about. And they're like, sure, because who wouldn't, right? <laughs> I went away mm. for a week thought about their problems, packaged a service, provided the proof that I could actually do what I said I could do and went back to those 10. Six of them became customers. So six people has turned has turned, you know, a blog into a business. Okay? So if you gave me $10,000, I would just scale up the same tactic. I think that answer there is just gold. If someone is looking to start a business, then just listen to that last two or three minutes there (laughs) and just follow that to a (laughs) T. Don't copy exactly pushing social, but, uh, um, you know, come up with, you know, whatever you can do effectively and professionally and also whatever your customers or potential customers ask for. It's not rocket science. My number one takeaway. Stan, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? Well, I think we've been talking about it in the last couple of minutes here is that realize that you don't have a business unless you have customers. And you need to go out there and find your customers and realize that you're, every reader, every prospect you have, they have to make one of the hardest decisions and the one of the most serious decisions they make. 
okay, in their life, which is how are they going to spend their hard-earned money? And now it's hard-earned money and time. And you can guess about what it takes for them to make that investment or you can know. All right. So everything that we've been talking about in terms of social media, email marketing to a degree, blogging is all about getting everyone that's interested in what you have to talk about into a spot where you can contact them, understand what they need, create a service and business around that and deliver it. That's how you build a business. Wonderful. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time, your focus and your willingness to give back. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about what you do? Well, I want everyone to go over to pushingsocial.com. And when you get there on the right hand side, you're going to have I'm going to give you a free offer. It's called my feature download. And I will give you my top three blogging guides. The blog I have a blogging guide on how to design your blog one on how to promote your blog. And the last one is how to make money with your blog. Give me your email address. I'll give you instant access to that. And then we can start our conversation. Wonderful. Thanks again, Stan. Thank you, David. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today on Digital Marketing Radio. Remember, you can get every interview before it's published as a podcast, delivered as a weekly digital magazine, automatically to your tablet or smartphone. And that's for Apple or Android. Just go to digitalmarketingradio.com for links to where you can subscribe and join the rest of the Digital Marketing Radio posse. Catch you again soon. Digital Marketing Radio.